uh, you're an outlier. You're a supernova. Is that good? Is that good with you? Wow. Big words. <laughs> Big that sounds words, great. Yeah. Now I'm like, how do I live up to those words? <laughs> supernova. Supernova. Right, supernova. <laughs> there really are a lot of ways to connect with God. Yeah, and one of the most fulfilling healing ways is through music. In the case of today's guest, it's even turned into a career. Amanda Cook is a Grammy award-winning musician and songwriter and an incredibly important voice in the Christian community. But she hasn't just used her talents to get closer to God. Music has helped her understand her emotions, embrace her introvertedness, and even form connections with others. She's truly one of the most open and honest people we know. We are so lucky she's sharing her story with us today. So stick around. This is In Good Faith. We are so excited to have our guest with so us excited. here today on In Good Faith. We have Amanda Cook, whom Judah just called a supernova. <laughs> She's an outlier. She's, in my opinion, one of the brightest, creative, poetic minds, particularly around the subject of emotional healing and soul healing. And I'm so excited to talk. Yeah, now you took my words. Actually <laughs> known for being an incredible musician, especially oh, singer, in the faith-filled worship space. She just yeah. released an album called While We Wait. It has been on repeat in our home. It has brought healing to our home. She wrote the incredible worship song, You Make Me Brave. Oh. And she does speak like a poet. Amanda, we are so glad to have you here. Oh my on God. Everyone, welcome Amanda Cook. Like we have a live audience. <laughs> <laughs> I love that we're creating our own soundscapes yeah, here. Oh, good. Um, I love you guys. You know that already. But I want the world to know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's our public confession of love. This is my yeah, public exactly. announcement. Exactly. Oh, this is the PSA. We're so excited. Again, I just want to say to our audience, like, the waters of Amanda Cook run deep. And uh, you have been such... Uh, a special friend to us in this last year, year and a half. And it's been so fun to to learn and listen to you and watch you uh, navigate relationships and people and humanity and hurt and pain. And um, you just inspire me. Right before we came on air, you said, I, you know, I was just in this place and you can go for long walks and collect your thoughts. I love it. When did you become a collector of thoughts? Has this always been you? Like, I imagine you six years old in the Canadian mountainside frolicking <laughs> through sunflowers. Is that is that accurate? <laughs> I mean, it is pretty accurate. I grew up on a farm in the middle of Canada, and my mom would give me directions to just be back by dark. So I would go off with my thoughts. <laughs> and I, wow. I, I would say I very rarely felt lonely. I felt a lot of other things, a lot of other things. <laughs> Were you by yourself away in, until dark? Yeah, I would take our ATV and just, you know, ride off into the sunset with my books. And not much has changed. I feel like <laughs> that kind of lives on. That version of me is, is very alive and well. But I think, well, first of all, I grew up in Canada, which has, you know, a six-month winter, give or take. So if you don't learn how to foster an inner thought life and learn how to become friends with your imagination, you'll go stark raving mad. So I think part of just like the landscape 
kind of forces your hand. You know what I mean? Mm. Where either you bend to it and you you learn the beauty that's in the actual landscape, or you go a bit mad because um, staying inside that long is um, panic-inducing for a lot of us, <laughs> as we've all experienced over the last couple of years. That's right. Yes. And then my parents just really, they love literature, they love music. It was, again, something I picked up from the culture of my family. It was normal for all of us to be sitting and reading our own individual books by the fire. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That would be my utter absolute fantasy. And I do not believe her current one is. I don't believe my current um, husband has cultivated them, but I love him. <laughs> I mean, it sounds really picturesque. I, you know, my friends and I have had this conversation of basically like how to become friends with another introvert and the luxury that that actually is. Because sometimes I'll ask my friend, can I come to your house, but completely ignore you and just read a book on the couch? Like while you read your own or do your own thing. And she'll be like, yes. And I'm like, this was a dream afternoon. <laughs> you know, I am like, so with you, Amanda. You can come over and read with me anytime. <laughs> Put me on that list. It's the best. It's like being alone together feels so luxurious to me. I mean, I didn't realize how luxurious it was when I was a kid because, you know, we were just limited on certain options. But it really opened up the world to me of literature, of imagination. And my mom is a very curious person. She's always learning. She's always asking questions. So that the the idea of infinite possibility felt very real to me and it was nurtured rather than suppressed and it can kind of get me into trouble if I lose track of the tether if I lose track of like my anchor or gravity I need to have anchor points and I need to have stability in order for that to thrive otherwise I just feel like George Clooney you know in that film with Sandra Bullock where he just like floats off into space I just gave you the whole is it called gravity I think it's called gravity (laughs) I watched that film on a plane once and it was the worst and best decision that I'd made I was like I'm too far in now but I'm literally suspended in air and I'm watching someone floating away in air and I was like (gasps) like how do I get back (laughs) there's an insight into Amanda's beautiful in her life. That's yeah. right. And did you cultivate music at the same time? Mm. Yeah. Music was, it was the pathway. It was the path made clear for me. I grew up in a musically inclined family. We were always listening to, you know, anything from classical and neoclassical to like the Beatles, to like singer songwriters, Joni Mitchell, like just very kind of a well-rounded, I'd, I'd say, musical <laughs> experience of like this is a whole world of language and I I want to live in this world I want to be in this world so my parents put me in piano lessons when I was like four or five years old thank god because <laughs> I was so introverted I was so inward and I didn't know how to express like what was going on in here it just kind of all lived in here and I remember sitting at the piano and it felt like lightning in a bottle it just was like oh here's the place where everything makes sense Because without it, I just, my thoughts spin out on their own. Music slows everything down and creates a pathway, like one note to the next. You know, it feels like steps to me. It was so sacred from the beginning. And it's the first language I feel like I understood. Like, I didn't understand much about the world. I was like, oh my gosh, there's so much to discover. But music felt like, 
oh, I'm born with this language. Somehow it's just there. And so chipping away at that for my entire childhood gave me like tools to express things that I would otherwise repress or because I'm prone to melancholy as well. Music gave me a, a pathway to releasing, you know, the emotional energy of things. Like I would play the piano a lot by myself, like alone at home. If my family went out and they were doing other things, I'd like, that would be the space. And then I would just kind of play until I found peace, I guess. And it's still to this day is that dynamic. It's the wow. the panic and peace relationship. And it feels like a razor thin edge. And sometimes I forget everything, but oh, if I could just get to a piano, it'll all sort itself out. Oh. And then I sit down and start to play and it's like immediate. I think it just has medicinal properties for the brain, for the soul, for our spirits, you know. And I'm kind of glad like that was the first introduction to God for me because it felt, oh, this is what connects all of this, whatever's going on in here to the source, to the creator, to the, the one who dwells within and way beyond. Like it felt like a hug. Okay, that makes wow. that makes so much sense because when I listen to your music, I truly connect yep. with God on a very soulful, personal, deep, mm. emotional level that is really something for me that is unique that your music brings out, which is a really special gift that you not only used for yourself, but then you took it and used it to turn around and give that gift to the world. Mm. I totally agree. You revolve around creator God. Mm -hmm. When did that arrangement unfold in your life? Oh, wow. It was the axis of our family. It was the center of our family. Mm. My parents are farmers and their entire livelihood is based on the weather. It's based on something outside of their control. And so I think that developed the idea of faith for me early on. It's very tactile. My Parents would go and work really hard and then look up at the sky and, you know, either it would flood or it would be a drought or whatever it would be. And they would be caught in the crosshairs of like all of our hard work, all of our best efforts is still subject to something beyond. And so my family are like their faith. It's it's very like fertile it's like it's as real as the dirt underneath their feet really we would go to church on sunday give thanks as a family you know sing and pray i was with the same community my whole childhood you know from the time i was born till i left when i was 18 or 19 so there was that ritual of of release i guess of really all of our best efforts and then it's really up to wow. god So I think that that by osmosis affected me the most is that we're intrinsically at the mercy of something other. And because we're at the mercy of something other, what we get to choose is what we put ourselves at the mercy of or who we put ourselves at the mercy of. And so to grow up with the story of Jesus, the narrative of Jesus, that we are ultimately at the mercy of Jesus, the merciful one who actually stands above the weather and took care of, you know, our little family in the middle of Canada, hell or high water. Like if it was a good year, if it was a rough year, like there was still the axis, the center of it still held, like it still holds. So I think that was the making of it for me. 
Was that hard for you in years that the weather was not favorable and you didn't have a good crop and all of a sudden you put yourself under the mercy of this God who you perceived to be merciful, but yet he wasn't demonstrating his quote unquote mercy or favor in those years? Yeah, I think that's the rub for everybody. And that's the rub for my family and for everyone else. And whenever we have a rough year, I would see my parents going back to basics and making hard choices. And there was stress for them, for sure. My family is big on gratitude. My dad is big on contentment. And so he taught us early on that happiness is wanting what you have. That's his phrase. And I love it. And I don't know where he got it or if he thought it up himself, but it stuck with me because he makes a practice out of that every single day. So regardless of the weather, you know, come inside after a long day working outside and he would sit down with a with a can of Coke or a can of Pepsi and he would start talking about what was right in front of him in his hands. He's like, wow, what a life. I've got my kids here. I've got a can of Pepsi here. I've got a home. I've got these books. I've got music. I've got it just it opened up the world of possibility again. So it didn't keep him under the weather it was like there's still something beyond the sky and then there were just you know daily practices I didn't realize they were teaching me like daily contemplative practices of course it's just whatever you grow up with but you know we'd sit around the table and make a thing out of saying a silent prayer like I remember my family my dad like for grace or something sometimes would be like let's just all join hands and say a silent prayer So early on, I was taught that God hears everything in here. Like, it's not based on the sound of my voice coming out. It's like, direct your thoughts towards God and say a prayer inwardly. You know what I mean? Wow. I want to do that for our kids for dinner tonight. That's so good. Count on it. (laughs) It'll be the first moment of silence in the Smith family history. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Amanda, I want to unpack, like, as an introvert, but what are some of the things that you have used to motivate, help, serve, and, and keep you sane? Because you are a public servant, and you're constantly serving people with your music. And I see you in social settings, caring deeply and listening and asking questions. Mm-hmm. And I know being married to an introvert for 22 years, that takes a lot of effort and energy. And I think there's a lot of people that listen to this podcast who are like, oh my gosh, I'm such an introvert. Please help me. And um, I I really think you can. Wow. That's a tall order. I mean, I think for me, the path of solitude leads to immense gratitude, which then I feel like gratitude reaches out past oneself. So I think that's where I find myself reaching to experience connectedness with people. And it's all part of the same circle. When I misunderstood the way that I was wired, I, I didn't know why I felt so drained all the time. I loved people, and then I would feel so drained, and then I would feel guilty about feeling drained. And then I'd be like, oh, were people the problem? <laughs> <laughs> no, 
No, no. It's just like, if we're going to invest, because if I'm going to go out and if I'm going to be with friends, I want to be invested and I want to be present. That's the gift is giving each other our presence. You know, it's not for me about getting something from an interaction. It's about experiencing and witnessing each other's presence and how beautiful that just is on its own. And solitude brings me to that space, ironically. So now I just have accepted. I'm like, oh, no, I just have a limited amount of energy every day. And if I'm going to go be with people, I'm going to store up in solitude my gratitude that causes me to reach towards them and enjoy them and be present with them and be a witness to them. And then when I feel like I need to go recollect myself, I need to go actually like dip into solitude again. That's when I take my leave. That's when I go, Oh, I love you so much. And I need to, I need to go. (laughs) I got to go. I have been known to leave my own birthday party before. (laughs) (laughs) I had a party at my house and I invited all these people that I loved and then all of them were suddenly at my house and it all collided and there was so much energy in the room. I was like, this is too much. I need to go. So I just like went into my bedroom for like an hour by myself (laughs) and it was awesome because I was like that door between all of that energy out there and me collecting my energy in here is such a gift right now. I don't want them to leave. I actually didn't want them to leave. I just needed to be aware of my limitations and the gifts that our limitations give us, which is an indicator of like, oh, this is actually how you bring your best self forward. This is how you give yourself to the world is by keeping track. And I think, I think just understanding limitations and accepting limitations has been such a beautiful thing for me in this way. Cause I really do love people. Like people are my joy. That's just kind of been my summer mantra. I've been adjusting my joys You know what I mean? Like there were other things that I found joy in or it wasn't even necessarily joy. It was just like coping. I mean, all of us have been trying to do our best over the last couple of years and reaching for whatever feels like joy because joy gives us strength. Yeah. You know what I mean? So we get to choose the substance of our joy, which does give us some measure of strength, be it food, be it wine, be it people, be it music or entertainment, whatever it would be. We found ourselves reaching for whatever it could be that would give us some sort of strength, you know? So I've just been kind of adjusting my joys, I guess. And that's kind of been rolling around in my head for the last couple of months is like, what feels like my joy right now? And it's, it's people and, and it's solitude. It's both. And the, the payoff of that is true community of an introvert actually engaging and loving being part of the connected whole, like the whole family. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. So as you have adjusted your joys, and I love that you put it that way, and I think that's something that we all should do seasonally because they do adjust with seasons. Have you adjusted your rituals along with adjusting your joys so Mm, that they line? I love that you brought up rituals because that is something that we don't talk about often, but that is so important in life. And I'd love to hear what those are a little bit more. Mm. Yeah, I love seasonal rituals, too. I feel like I adjust them accordingly. I came back with a plan for summer. I decided to give myself the summer that I wanted to have and not wait for someone else to do it. <laughs> oh, so good. So I made a list of of small joys and then the big ones, the trips we take with friends or the things we do on our holidays. But the daily joys, the small ones, the like drinking a liter of water every morning when I wake up. That sounds so small, but it's just something that like hydrates 
my mind, I guess. And yeah. it, it feels like it starts something for me. And then the day unfolds, however, we rested at night. So I'm very guarded about my nightly rituals more than anything. It doesn't matter how late I've been out. I need an hour when I get home to dial down. I wish I was better with screens. I'm not going to lie. I'm not there yet. I still sometimes <laughs> watch an episode of Friends to fall asleep. Like, and then I have dreams about like right. Chandler and Monica. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> that's why I feel like it's so particular to everybody. But I, I hadn't been in a bookstore, for example. I hadn't been in a bookstore in a while. And that is like my mecca. Like oh. that's, <laughs> that is where I feel the most alive, I guess. And so... Yesterday, I was in Santa Barbara, and I found two bookstores side by side. I was like, what heaven is this? <laughs> and I spent hours, you know, and I came home with too many books. But I realized, like, I hadn't given that to myself for a while. And I was feeling a deficit, you know, so I was kind of filling myself up again. So daily rituals literally include reading something. Like, light reads are as important as deep reads, you I know, like a good beach read. It's so important. All the authors that I read, you know, who talk about creativity, they're like, you need to balance it. You can't just stay like in deep prose and poetry all day long. Like you need like something frothy and fun. And that takes your mind on a little adventure that isn't too heady. You know what I mean? So reading something could be a line, could be a paragraph, could be a whole book if I have the time. But reading something jotting something down. So engaging with whatever it is that that sparks in my own mind. I try to respond to it, I guess. And that's what most of, I think, what I write or what my art is. It feels like a response. I guess it's the gratitude piece of like all of the other authors, all of the other musicians, all of the other people who have, who have sewn into my own soul. And then I get to use alchemy and, you know, become a little chemist and kind of turn it into my version of thank you <laughs> and and also this is what it did for me you know what i mean which is ultimately that's what worship feels like to me it's the thank you that's born of good cause like i've stayed staring at something so beautiful that i can't help but go oh wow mm. you know Anne lamott has a book called help thanks wow she's one of my favorite authors and she talks about how all of her prayers can be synced up to those three words wow help thanks and wow so good and since i read that book i'm like uh everything is one of those you know everything feels like one of those and everything feels like a response in that sort of way so ritualistically i try to keep like a gratitude journal there's like a five minute journal it's on an app it's really simple it does all the heavy lifting for you really sets the tone for the day I'm good at reading something every day, but I don't always write something down every day. And I think I'm going to try adopting that for summer because I'll, there's something about reading that it puts something in you, but then it always yeah. leaves me with a feeling of now I want to express something based on what yes. I just ingested and yes. half the time poor Judah gets the dump of what I read. But I <laughs> I love the dump of what you read. You know that. Yeah, you actually do. Because then you feel like you read the book too. And then I end up writing sermons. <laughs> They're phenomenal. So I, good. I love listening to them. <laughs> 
here's what I want to ask, and this is prepare yourself, uh, Mandy. This is going to be a completely unfair question. Ooh, do I love unfair questions? Can't wait. Here, here's the scenario: you're facing another fellow introvert. Now, this particular introvert is going through hell, as it were. This introvert is in pain. There's been anguish, difficulty. And this introvert is looking at Amanda Cook and saying, can you give me three things to do that will at least begin to bring about Mm. some buoyancy, some recovery of energy and health? Mm. You know, maybe we call them sacred practices. What would they be? Oh, wow. Well, the first thing that comes to mind is I make a lot of lists (laughs) and Sometimes it's just actually the the act of making the list that is the list in and of itself because I might jot it down and never look at it again. But there's something in the act of writing it down or typing it out or whatever that does something for me. It feels like a commitment outside of my head. And so when things have gotten really, really dark, you know, I'm in a, a stage of grief that feels like it's drowning me. Um, when it's probably baptizing me, but it feels like drowning. When I'm in those moments, it's really tough to have perspective. And all the great ideas just feel like in one ear out the other. You know what I mean? It's like, it feels like too overwhelming. It feels like one more thing to do. And when you're flat out or like you're just laid out on the couch with anxiety or depression, it's really tough. So on those days, I commit to slowing everything down. And the phrase that has stuck with me is today calls for radical kindness. Today calls for radical gentleness. So that is how Mm. we are going to go about the day. Mm. And I know that that's not, it can feel impossible, especially for, you know, friends with kids or full schedules, different things like that. But it's an inner work. It's not necessarily that you can slow everything and manage everything out here, slow all of that down. That's an illusion of control anyways. Yeah. Yeah. We actually yeah. have zero control over that. It's about slowing all of yourself down. Like, okay, I, I can't trust my thoughts today. I, I literally sometimes I'm like, I'm having a no thinking Ooh, day. That's great. I also forget how important play is. And especially as someone who gets stuck in my mind, if I'm rolling around in my head with a problem, um, I make the mistake often of thinking that more thinking will fix it. So I'm Mm. like just thinking and thinking and thinking. I'm ruminating now. I'm not contemplating. And I forget that taking a break and going to play is actually a radical act of trust. Mm. It actually requires me to let go of what I'm thinking about and engage in, you know, whatever it is that I'm doing, seeing a movie with friends, going to the beach, going for a walk, whatever gets me out of my head, which actually brings rest. Like work without play equals stress for me. Work with play equals rest. It can feel ridiculous when it feels completely dark. I remember one really, really dark day for me. A friend texted me and was like, you know, you're still worthy of of fun. Like you're still worthy of play. It's the first thing to go, I think, is that we lose our playful edge. Mm. So I I think... In windows of understanding, which is what my therapist calls when like there's this clear window, you know what I mean? And they can last for hours, a day, sometimes weeks, months, whatever. I tend to jot things down in those windows of understanding and make commitments when I'm there because it's not a high, high and a low, low. It's like an insight moment of like you've been able to zoom out and zoom in at the same time and see how 
All these things are actually working out for good, but I will probably forget this tomorrow, which is why music is so good to me because it's memory. Like it remembers the things that I will forget. If I wrote something today in a window of understanding and that window slams shut by tomorrow, I remember the melody. The melody brings me back to something and it almost like, it just sings me all the way through. So I make commitments when I'm in a window of understanding. And some of those commitments to me have looked like I have a list of things like on a dark day that I commit to. First of all, we take the day slow. We take it gentle. We take it. It's going to be radical kindness. It's really tough. It's actually some of the hardest work I've ever done, especially when we are like self-punishment or we're in self-hatred or whatever mode it is that we're like in that liar state where we're like believing whatever BS is going through our heads to approach all of those thoughts with radical kindness is like it actually dissipates them which is profound to me maybe not right away but eventually it does i think it's the agency of god is the kindness that's the most powerful thing i've ever experienced i have a list of people who are sos calls that if i just need someone to sit with and i can't even tell them what i'm thinking because i it's too cluttered but they'll just sit with me And people really want this and people actually are available for it. I think we all have this in us, the ability to be present to something that is completely outside of our control. And that companionship actually saves people. That is the thing that has healed me the most is not an answer from someone necessarily. I've had great guidance. I've had incredible therapy. I've had incredible leadership and my heart has felt pastored. But in all of that, all of those people that I can think of right now, they all sat at a table with me and it could just be 30 seconds of just sitting, but it was the gravity of presence of being fully present to pain, which is the greatest gift I've ever had. So I have a list of SOS people who can do that where it's like, we can't fix this today, but we can sit together. I really love that you've cultivated that as a woman who isn't married I realize Mm. as you're talking, I I think I have that, but I take so much of that from Judah. Mm. And obviously I got married so young. I didn't have to be intentional with that, but I, that is such a powerful, amazing tool for an introvert for anybody to have actually, but especially an introvert to have Mm -hmm. friends who you can call, who will just sit with you and give you the gift of their presence and their Mm -hmm. energy but not expect anything from you in return is one of the more profound things that I've heard that I realize I benefit from, but I didn't have to be intentional about. And and in a way I think about people who, you know, maybe right now while they're listening, it's like, I have no one who will sit with me. Mm. It's funny. You say, you know, listen to worship or read your Bible, but, but hold on, hold on a second. Let's say it differently. Sit with King David, sit with John, the beloved, Sit with Amanda Cook, (laughs) you know, I mean, while we wait, that song while we wait has sat with me. Mm. Literally, I'm not exaggerating more times than I can count. Our kids are banned from our house because we have played it so <laughs> oh, many times. You didn't have to say that in front of Mandy. No, She's right. right there. That's great. Um, that's horrible. But I know there has been so many times on a really practical level where no one was there to sit with, but Jesus was. Um, um, Paul was. Yes, absolutely. Amanda was in the form of while we wait. I mean, how many times different artists have sat with me and they didn't know it? Absolutely. It's the companionship 
part. Like it can feel so impossible also to reach out to anyone. I mean, I, I commit to make a therapy appointment, but that also can feel out of reach too. So then I'm like, well, we do have the internet. And although I hate it, I also love it that we can find whatever we're looking for. (laughs) So I'm like, I need to feel like someone has been here before. Mm. So I'll find myself Googling, like whatever it is, looking for authors, looking for writers, looking for poets. Often prose is too much when I'm in that space. So poetry is like something succinct. They've like gotten rid of all the extras and it's just like two lines of someone who like a hundred years prior has felt these things before. It, it's like, oh, now there's two of us in this. I'm not utterly alone in it. That's the illusion I can buy into really quickly in my head. So profound and so important. I love your perspective. I love your approach. Um, I also celebrate the fact that I asked for three and you gave us more than three because that also <laughs> speaks very loudly to me. <laughs> <laughs> Amanda, you're so good at not staying in a box. How do you give yourself permission to live outside of a box? Ooh. Oh boy. The word outlier that Judah used earlier feels quite true. And I can get resentful of the box sometimes. (laughs) Like, why can't I just fit in the box? (laughs) Um, But the struggle for me is anytime that I lose sight of my own path and work, the work that I'm here to do, that's when I start looking around and comparing what I do to anyone else, which is the thief of joy. I was looking up the definition of envy the other day, which had to do with lack of sight. It's a type of blindness to your own life. And so I think I dance on the edge of like envy and resentment when I look at this box over here. I'm like, "Mm, I don't fit in it. Maybe I should. It seems so successful or it seems so whatever, whatever the story is in my head that has nothing to do with the actual box. The box is not a problem. The box just exists. In the landscape that I grew up in and the way that I was brought up, perhaps I was just made to look at things in a particular way and then offer that particular way to the whole family, you know, to the community. Mm. But, um, yeah, I think it's more of a wrestle than anything. Oh, can I just say thank you for leaving the box? Wow. Perspective is powerful, but so is vision. And for me, it often Mm. takes somebody who is outside of the box for me to see beyond the box, for me to see a different perspective, for me to see a different vision, to have a different take on things. And you do that for me in such an amazing way. And I know I'm not the only person. So I understand the resentment towards the box, but can I just say thank you for not staying in it? Your life outside of the box is really incredible and We are beyond grateful for you, for the life that you're living, for the time that you spent with us today. It's really, really incredible. Your music is healing and your art is healing. And I think that is just the overwhelming sense that I get from your art. State of the Union, this new art you've put out, this Mm -hmm. new album is just healing to my soul. I, Mm -hmm. I can't thank you enough. It just has, as you would say, medicinal properties Mm -hmm. and it just... Uh, it meets me. We, Chelsea and I, had the privilege of going to your release party, which was amazing. And we all put on these headphones and we all sat and it was just very, very meaningful. Uh, Let's do it again. Amanda Cook, we admire you. We love you. And we're excited to announce that you will be 
uh, the third host in this podcast going forward yeah! here, here on out. <laughs> Dreams really do come true. Gosh, I wish. That'd be so fun. Hey, Amanda, one thing that we love to do on In Good Faith is just to pray for our audience and our listeners at the end. Because mm. I always feel like we want to give people a gift who have taken time to listen. Wow. And I think prayer is just one of the most incredible gifts we can give people. No pressure. But would you be willing to pray for people? Yes. What if I said no? I was just going to say, what if she said no? That'd be so awesome. Oh, I don't even know what to pray. There's so much. But yes, I would love to pray. I thank you, God, that you are close. I thank you that you're here. That you're everywhere. That you're easily found. And I just ask that you would give us joy. Show us the joy that leads to our strength and our gratitude. And I just ask that this summer that people would experience the presence of Jesus, the friendship of Jesus, the kindness of Jesus, the gentleness of Jesus, the radical, all-inclusive love of Jesus the Christ, the way and the truth and the life. Holy Spirit, Would you animate our lives with goodness, with your grace? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This has been a presentation of OBB Sound, SB Projects, and Cadence 13. Executive produced by Chelsea Smith, Judah Smith, Michael D. Ratner, Scott Ratner, Elias Tanner, Scooter Braun, Scott Manson, James Shin, and Chris Corcoran. Produced by Caitlin Plummer and Eve Bishop of OBB Sound and Kyle Vanuya of SB Projects. Produced by Lauren LaGrasso and Serena Regan of Cadence 13. Edited, mixed, and mastered by Daniel Chavez Crook with editing support from Caitlin Plummer and Eve Bishop. Original composition by Colin Gilliard. Production support from Kristen Crosby and Dylan Martyr. OBB Sound is an OBB media company. Cadence 13 is an Odyssey company.